Welcome to the New Little Life Podcast. My name is Allison. I'm a lactation consultant, a breast pump expert, and a mom of three little boys. Here on the podcast, we talk with real moms and experts about breastfeeding and pumping. This podcast is designed to help you feel supported by other moms who are doing exactly what you're doing, to get tips and tricks on breastfeeding, and learn how to efficiently navigate pumping while going back to work. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the New Little Life podcast. I'm so happy to have yet another guest for you today that we're going to be talking with. We're getting pretty close to finishing up season two here where we've been really focusing on working moms. We've heard from a lot of great mothers who are trying to balance breastfeeding and pumping and make it all work with their busy lives. And Dr. Rebecca Granda is no exception. She is a licensed psychologist in North Carolina, Florida, and New York. That's impressive. It takes a lot to be licensed in multiple states. She owns a group practice and she has two young children, ages three and six. She continues to try and find that balance between business ownership and motherhood, which I think we can really all relate to. So welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. It's so nice to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is definitely a topic that I'm passionate about. I'm excited to talk about with you. I love to hear that. And I love to talk to moms in a variety of different um, workplaces. And I think that you have a really unique perspective, especially the timing of your pregnancies and trying to breastfeed and pump and all of this stuff. So I'm really excited. Can you just take us back to the beginning and maybe start with graduate school and getting pregnant there? What was that like for you? Yeah. So for me, I'm no longer pumping or breastfeeding. So this is all like reminiscing for me. So it's nice to go back in time. Um, I did, in order to be a psychologist, you have to do five years of graduate school, usually um, in a doctoral program. So my last year, I knew my husband and I had been married since before the program started. And we knew we wanted kids. And it's really hard to know, like, when is the right time? Do you do it now? Do you do it later? Um, in order to become a licensed psychologist, there's lots of internships and a postdoc. And so I just didn't know when that time would be. And I was approaching 30. And so we decided to start trying. And I got pregnant like a few months before I moved from Louisiana. Um, And I knew that there would be some big hurdles to come like dissertation and internship, um, where you have to move to a new location. I was moving to New Jersey, um, across like Louisiana to New Jersey. So it's a big move. And um, so I made sure to have my research done before moving. And I didn't tell anyone I was pregnant. I kind of kept it a big secret. And I defended my dissertation early so that I wouldn't have to worry about that knowing I'd be giving birth eventually the next year. And when I started my internship, I didn't tell anyone either that I was pregnant. I waited until I could get to know people a bit. And so a few months in, I told everyone and they were very supportive, which was really great. Um, I worked at a hospital and um, my supervisor was pregnant. So that was wonderful. And I had her advice. She was a second time mom. And so she shared all of her mom tips with me and we were pumping together like separate offices, obviously, but at the same time. And so she could really help and support me. It was wonderful. Um, I ended up giving birth six months into my one year internship. And so I took a month off, definitely not recommended having a baby on internship year. Um, 
I only got four weeks off because it you, you technically I could have taken longer and just um, extended it, but in my head I wanted to finish on time and with my class and not postpone graduation. So I had a C-section, which I know is recommended six weeks maternity leave. I took four weeks. It was a total tough time, very tough time. Um, and then I pumped every day in an office with a bunch of other people that, you know, we had a class of, I want to say, six to eight interns and I think one was a male with kids but nobody else had kids except me so they didn't fully get it I remember pumping in the car once on the way home in traffic with them in the front seat just like listening very awkwardly to the pump going um, I would pump in the bathroom I would pump in offices people would walk in I would have to ask to borrow offices because um, I didn't have a designated space. I think I found a designated space once, but it was weird, like a closet. Um, it was a whole journey at that time. Um, and I pumped the next six months straight until I then moved to postdoc, which I moved from New Jersey to Florida to do that at another hospital. And that was a little bit more stressful because I shared an office and couldn't find office space other than a bathroom to pump. Um, and so that's where my pumping journey started to dwindle and I also the stress of moving. Um, so I didn't pump for with my daughter as long as I wanted. I wanted to go a year and with her I only got to eight months. Um, and there's a bunch of different reasons for that too. Um, but yeah, that was hard finding office space and just I didn't feel as supportive and so so yeah, so that ended that. And, um, That's a lot. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was actually, I, there was a member in my program that joined. My program's called Pumping for Working Moms and she joined, she was a student or same thing. She was like in residency and she's like, yeah. I'm gonna have three weeks off. She's like, I can't uh -huh. take longer. They're not like shorting me on this, but I just, no. I can't. And that was really hard to kind of squish all of the learning of both breastfeeding and pumping into three weeks as well as heal your physical body and like get on top of your emotional brain in a very yeah. short time. Were you also feeding at the breast and then pumping at work or were you exclusively pumping? Um, so for my first, I fed at the breast too. Um, so okay. she was, both of my kids had um, lip ties. So it became easier for me to to pump, which was, you know, my personal choice. It just made it easier and more yeah, convenient to working. Um, but she fed more at the breast, like at night or when I would get home or I tried to on demand feed. Whereas my son, my second child, he never did at all. So he was, I just, it was kind of remote learning. I was like, oh, I know how to pump. I'll just keep pumping since he hates it. And I saw a lactation consultant a few times, tried really hard to make it work. And it was just easier for me to just pump, technically. What was it like having a newborn baby and then going back to that internship? I mean, did you have good childcare? Hopefully she took a bottle okay. And I mean, yes. that's just, I just, that sounds so overwhelming to me. Uh -huh. So I, it was, I mean, I'm feeling stressed just thinking about yes. it and talking about it a little bit, to be honest. Um, but for her, she I looked out. She's a good baby. She's now turning seven next week on Friday. 
So she's just been, she was always an easy baby, slept, thank goodness, slept well, was very calm and sweet natured. Um, now she's much feistier as a six-year-old. Um, so I lucked out with that, which made my life a lot easier then. Um, the first three to four weeks, I want to say, I, I can't remember, it's all a haze in a way, but my mother-in-law came to help for when I went back to work for those first three weeks that I went back to work okay. so she could help with childcare then. Um, my husband and I have always done like a split shift where he works nights. He He's a night owl and likes night work. So he'll work nights wherever he can. And then I work days. And so then he can, we can split childcare duties. And so we are, you know, my two kids, we put them in daycare both at age two um, by doing that. I don't totally recommend it. It's very stressful, split childcare and taking care of the kids, just us um, and with some support. But yeah, it it was, it was a struggle. Wow. Um, yeah, that just, oh. <laughs> although I'm so glad that you had uh, someone at your internship to help support you and just ask questions too. Were you able to kind of like commiserate together and like figure it out together in that first little bit? Totally. So I feel like I owe everything to her. She was Dr. Jonas, wonderful psychologist in New Jersey still. And so she has three kids now and she just gave, like, I feel like she just sat down with me and told me everything, the ropes, like, here's how you do it. Um, because it was her second and my first. And so that I feel like it's important to have a mentor or somebody or a mom friend that knows tips and tricks to help you with. And I feel like I paid that forward to my friend who's now pregnant with her second. I try to give her some, uh, some things that I've learned along the way. It's so, it's great. I mean, we really all are all in this together. And this is why I built my program because it was hard for me and no one was there to help me. And I don't want that for other people. And I think paying it forward is a good way to, to phrase that it's, yes. and I was talking about this with someone else on a previous episode that when you, you know, advocate for yourself and when you make pumping more than norm, like pumping in the backseat of a car with your schoolmates and stuff, that's awkward, <laughs> but that kind of exposure for them to know that like, Hey, you can be a mom, you can be lactating and you can also have a career and do what you need to do. And especially where they didn't have kids, most of them, I just, what good education that is just by being an example and helping the women that come after you, you know, and I, tell me about that second place. Were you ever able to find a place that like, wasn't a bathroom that you could pump privately? Um, or do you, do you think that's why things ended so quickly just because it was so difficult in your workplace? I think so. Um, I had a private office, but I had students that shared the office. And so they were coming and going and needed the space. And they would just open the door um, and ask me questions all the time. And this was it, this one was a crisis hospital. So it was very fast paced on the go. And I had to be places at meetings or like there'd be a crisis and I'd be needed right away. And so it was what way more for me. And, impossible to pump and I would just keep pushing it off and for me you know I feel like pumping you have to be structured to some extent I was very around the clock like every three hours for the first six months waking up and like setting alarms and 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 that's what worked for me is making sure I stayed consistent and then there I just kept pushing it It'd be like four or five hours you know before I pump again and then that doesn't lead to good outcomes, right? Usually that leads to less ounces pumped eventually. 
you had a lot of major life events in that little moment too. First of all, you had a baby and didn't really get time to like process that before you had to jump back to work, C-section no less. Mm -hmm. You made it that six months, but then you moved across the country with an infant and started a new job and a new career and things like that. Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through maybe a little bit of the mental aspects of ending your pumping journey at eight months, which you mentioned was not quite as long as you had hoped. What mm -hmm. was that like? Or how did you kind of come to terms with not adjusting your goals into this new normal? I think there's something bittersweet about it when you end pumping. I think, you know, when you breastfeed, it's probably similar to probably a little bit more emotional, I would think. Um, just having both experiences. I remember the last time we breastfed was a little bit bittersweet too, um, knowing it was going to be the last time. Um, I think I felt a little more disappointment then because I wanted to go a year. Um, and I think I, th I think at eight months is when I started supplementing. So I did keep going, I think until 10 months, but I added su supplementing and formula and it just made it harder and harder then to keep going. Um, and my, um, I just, you know, it was not as easy to keep going. So, so yeah, so there's, I think though, that knowing that I didn't have to pump either was nice. And that's the, the good part of it is, you know, it's a lot, it's exhausting pumping. I mean, it, my son is now three and I still remember, you know, with him, I went for a full year and it was a little less stressful because at that point I worked at home um, and it was what way more flexible. I could make my own hours then. Um, and so for him, I could pump much more easier at home, working from home. Um, but knowing I don't have to clean parts, knowing I don't have to sterilize anything anymore or uh, refrigerate things and bring, you know, milk and freeze things. And I had a freezer stash. So like calculating how much more freezer stash I have left. It's a lot of mental energy that goes into pumping. In a way, it's like another job you're doing on top of everything else. Mm -hmm. You're not the only mom that has said that <laughs> feels like a whole <laughs> nother job. And mm -hmm. it's funny how in the moment you just kind of like put your head down and do it. And yes. like you said, afterward, you look back and we're like, how did I do that? That was crazy. Um, yes. And so on that note, walk me through what it was like with your second child. How was that different? Um, what did you learn the first time? Just kind of start there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my second child we um, moved to where I wanted to end up, which is where I am now in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and so I was working online for a psychologist platform where you make your own hours, you do your own thing and you work from home. And so I could work three full days and then have four days off. And with him, I was able to take a two month maternity leave, which is what I wanted. Um, and then at three months, I just kind of like eased into it very gently. Um, and so I could stop, I could make my own schedule. I literally had a calendar and could book whenever and wherever I wanted. And I think originally when you first have your baby, you're like, I don't know what times I'm gonna be pumping. Like, how do I know what times I'm gonna be working or need breaks? And so I didn't know exactly, like I'm gonna need a break to pump at nine and 12 and three was my mental estimation. But then of course, over time, it like you tweak it and move it or change it or depending or some days like your body's gonna be different, right? Um, so I think, 
I was able to be flexible and play with that more. Working from home was nice. And so for him, he also had a lip tie. My daughter, she had surgery at 10 months for the lip tie, which in a way was a little bit validating of me ending at eight to 10 months. Cause I was like, oh, that's why we struggled so much. Yeah. That's why I couldn't breastfeed so easy with her. And then with him, I knew it was gonna be a struggle cause he had it too. And our pediatrician advised, like, just wait and see what happens. Don't do the surgery. A lot of times boys will break it on their own. And if you're pumping anyways, it doesn't really matter if he's got a lip tie or not. And so, and he did, he, it popped one day, he was running and it bled everywhere. And so we didn't have to do the surgery with him. Um, but for him, I just kept, for whatever reason, when I started with him, maybe it was less stress. I had... Um, I don't know the right terminology for it, but I had extra milk basically with him at the beginning. And so I filled my entire freezer. I felt very fortunate. I filled my whole freezer top to bottom with freeze, a freezer stash. And so I was very lucky to have that because then I started to dip into that towards the end and could, and I know you're not supposed to save it that long, but I did anyways. No judgment and for me. Nope. I was like, yeah. This is I was a like, no podcast. Yep. I'm going to use it. And so I started to just dip into that when I needed it. And then it carried me through the final months until I was ready to be done at 12 months was my goal. And that's what I did. So, Super. yeah, this is, I think a lot of moms experience this juxtaposition between science and practical, like you mentioned, like mm -hmm. I, I would feed breast milk that was almost a year old. Like, but mm -hmm. technically the CDC says six months unless it's in a deep freeze. Yeah. But I mean, you just exactly. always have to weigh these pros and cons, these risks and benefits, yeah. and then decide, you know, the stuff that is actually unsafe, don't do that, you know? But the stuff that yeah. you're just weighing pros and cons, I think everyone can relate to to doing what works for you, finding that science versus practical route. Yeah, yeah I think along that lines, there's so much, you know, I learned along the way, like figuring out what works for you and what feels safe for you and right for you. And so kind of the tips and tricks that I learned was, I think some people say you can like keep your pump parts in the fridge. I don't know if that's recommended or not. Um, I would check, um, do some research on that for yourself. Um, but for me, that helped save some time, a time, a couple times putting it in the fridge. And then also I, don't remember the rules because it's been a year or two now, but also like you can leave breast milk out for a certain period of yeah, time four hours as long least. as, mm -hmm. yeah. And so I had the problem with my first daughters. I didn't have a refrigerator being an intern and we would move all over the hospital. So I didn't have refrigeration. So I learned eventually you can have it in a lunchbox with ice packs. Mm -hmm. And so I would pump and put it in the ice pack lunchbox and keep it and then bring it home and then put it in the fridge. And so, yeah, learning what works for you and learn, learning those little tricks helped. You bet. For me. When did you decide to open your own business? So after my son was, so that was about a year, wait, my son was about a year old is when I realized I wanted to be more flexible and to um, work for myself and try private practice. And so I did that for about six months. And then almost exactly a year ago, I 
expanded into a group practice to have other team members to kind of my my mission is to have like a healthy work-life balance at the workplace and so we grew from zero to about 10 employees now um, including some interns and so just trying to model healthy mom life like the other mom here she leaves at 3 p.m every day or 4 p.m. and is out the door to help her pick up her son from school. And so just, you know, we have four day work weeks, one day virtual. So I'm just very big and passionate about trying to figure out how to be a mom and a working mom. It never ends, does it? I think, you know, a lot of moms that listen here are right in that lack lactating phase, but pretty soon you're going to be on to the next phase. And I feel like I'm very similar to where you're at. My little boys are um, almost nine, six and two. So you know, I have moved on from the lactation phase of, of our experience, but I'm kind of right where you are, where like, I am also looking for this work-life balance. And I think both both of us are in this helping profession. I mean, we're here to help people and and do that, in, especially even in the healthcare field. And finding a way and even modeling a, a good way to be a working mom, I think is important. And mm -hmm. I've built my program in a way that serves me, but also serves the moms I work with. And I'm proud of that. It's really fun to hear you talk about searching for that as well. Um, it's really validating for me and the other working moms that like you can find. Let me ask you a question though. Do you feel like mm -hmm. there is such a thing as a work-life balance? How do you kind of approach that mentally in your life? I see it as a juggle instead of a balance. Like I feel, I read in what some books somewhere, it's like you're juggling glass balls all the time as a mom and you're just trying not to let the glass balls drop and break. And sometimes they do. For some people it might be divorce and marriage dropping or it might be your mental health dropping at some point or it might be um, you know, self-care or creativity. And so you're trying to prioritize at all times, like which things stay very secure and which are the most important to you at the moment. And you only have two hands. So it's like, how do you hold them all, all those balls? Um, and so I'm, I'm finding I'm constantly juggling it. It's a tough juggle. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I'm constantly trying to like figure out strategies and tricks and like ways to balance it. Um, I didn't mention my second my son, he does not sleep. He's still three. And I was up last night for like two hours with him. So, you know, he was, whereas my first daughter tricked me and was like, oh, this is how I, how wonderful it can be. Kids are easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. My second son has not slept since the day he was born or since he was inside me. Um, and so I'm constantly battling sleep with him and just trying to be the best parent for him and my kids and trying to like be at swim class with them or dance class or whatever, but then also trying to maintain my own self-care, my own creativity and my own personhood, right? And identity and friendships. And it's a lot. There's a lot on our plates. So I don't know if there's like a balance anymore. I think it's more a juggle and just trying to constantly stay afloat and juggling and reprioritizing. Yeah, that's interesting. I always like hearing how people kind of conceptualize that balance. And I know we say balance and I don't know if that's actually even a good word to say because I don't <laughs> know if that's realistic. For me, I always kind of visualize it as my work and, and home life as a pendulum. So just because I tend to fall into the category of being very all or nothing. And so sometimes when I get really invested in a work project or my members or, you know, speaking at a conference or, you know, whatever, I tend to go all in and 
really it just takes over my brain space you know i'm obviously physically doing the mom stuff that needs to be done but my mental load is really there and then mm -hmm. i'll catch it and say no come on like being a mother is the most important thing to me in, in my life personally and so i'll go back the other way and take a break from work stuff and so i think for me it's really about trying to get the pendulum to to swing less you know ideally it stopped in the middle but i really don't think that's realistic so for me, I just try and get it um, as gentle of a swing as possible and really try not to get to those extreme ends. Because for me, I just am kind of an all or nothing person, you know, so juggling mm -hmm. sounds exhausting to me. And I don't think I have like that high energy movement about me. And those who watch me on YouTube probably know that that's just not me. And I tend to be more of a calm confidence um, kind of giver into this world. And so the pendulum tends is a better visual for me. Just trying to find that like slow swing back and forth, not the extreme swing that I that I can easily fall into either way. I like that visual of a pendulum pendulum. And I'd love that for me. I think I'm not as much an all or nothing. I'm more of a I do I spread myself too thin and I take on too much and I'm a yes person and I'll say yes um, so like I also teach on the side I do too much basically and so for me it's juggling which is exhausting and so hopefully maybe somehow I can turn it into a swing <laughs> I think everyone's Someday. different I mean, have mm -hmm. you ever intentionally dropped a glass ball because you're saying like, I, I've got, to, there's too many, I, I need to take one out and, and done something I, along I mean, those lines? I don't think I've had a ball drop yet, although knock on wood, right? Yeah. Um, I've gotten close. And so I've lately been feeling kind of stressed out. And so I am, you know, trying to reevaluate and at work, I've been taking more time at work at home i'm trying to like find that balance and like compartmentalize a little bit better so i'm you know splitting my time up and trying to set boundaries and trying to find all the different again tips and tricks and strategies that'll help me balance it all better um but i think you know you can see burnout creeping in or exhaustion or fatigue greater right, mental health getting drained like if you don't if your ball starts to drop right and so I could see that happening. I've seen that with my clients that I work with or any of the moms I work with, um, how hard it can be if a ball does get broken. So I think it is important to to monitor and be mindful and keep tabs of like how we're doing I and to it, talk to other friends, right? And to yes. have a support system. Mm -hmm. And I think it becomes especially important when we're talking to lactating mothers who are breastfeeding pumping because you just have so much going on and like i see you that, that things are difficult and you have a lot of balls in the air and mm -hmm. not only are you responsible for this new life that you've created you're feeding it with your body and your time and all of these things and you know if you're a working mom you have a career on top of that and hopefully you love it and it fulfills you, but a lot of you don't and you do it because you have to, and that's even harder. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't know, being mindful of evaluating occasionally, where am I at? What, how can I make this easier? What things can I take out of my life? That's my favorite thing to help people with is what can we extract instead of add, you know, instead of power mm -hmm. pumping, you know, three times a week, like what can we take out of your schedule to make this flow better? And 
Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. It's so much. I, th- I think too, like reminding, as you were talking, I was thinking about like the reminder too, that it's very biological hormonal too, as you're pumping and lactating, as you said, like there's so many hormones going on and I've worked with like postpartum moms as clients. And I think going back to when you said like, what was that journey? Like when I stopped, I think I've heard from some, I luckily thankfully didn't have it, but like where you end your journey. And I think a lot of moms are at risk for postpartum when you're done pumping or when you're done breastfeeding, something happens hormonally that can put you at risk. Um, And so being aware of that is important too, to take, to know that it's really important to take yourself to take care of yourself to get the help you need to reach out for support at those times because being a mom is so hard. Yeah. It and I just don't think you can even know until you do it. And then mm-hmm. did you think it was easier with your second child because you'd done it before or was it harder because now you have two? I think it was easy like pumping was easier. Yeah. Being a mom was harder because <laughs> you have to, right? The pumping and knowing like bre- the breastfeeding journey, like I knew what to expect. I had really wanted to breastfeed with him. I think my expectations were higher. I was like, I don't want to wash all this stuff. I don't want to do this. I don't want to pump around the clock anymore. I want to breastfeed on demand. And so I think that's why I saw a lactation consultant three to five times um, and really wanted to make it happen. Um, but then once I committed to pumping, I realized like, I can do this. I've done it. It's like riding a bike. Like I know what to do. Like I've got this down. And so I think that part was way easier. Like I knew how to label the freezer packs, right? Like I knew like different pumps and like what to try and different techniques. And so that was fine. I think it's more of like, you're not napping, sleeping. You're more tired (laughs) with two. Yeah. Um, there's more schedules to juggle with that. Um, do you remember what, um, do you remember what pumps that you used or liked or mm-hmm. some of the like supplies and products? Yeah. I'm actually fun story. I just pulled out all my pump stuff last week. I'm trying to give it away if, to some, if anybody's in Asheville and wants it. Um, so I'm about to post it on like a mom group, but I used the first time it was, um, I want to say Spectra. Is that a brand? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I used that one. It was whatever my insurance paid for and said That's a great one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it was good. It worked. Um, I think when I was working at the hospital, though, I discovered hand pumps and I love Mm. those. And so literally $20, $30, I bought the Medela one. You can get at Target for like $25, $30 or something. And I just would put, you know, of course, it's annoying because you have to do one at a time with them. You can't hook up to two at a time. Um, But I just felt like for me, it was better control and faster. And I could just feel like I knew what I was getting out. And just like, I don't know, I got it. I was able to just pump in the bathroom too. And then or pump in a small office. And it wasn't, I felt, I don't know. There was just something about the hand pump you'll have to try it and see for, for everybody if you haven't. But um, I ended up liking that. Um, and then for my second, I tried a different one. I got the Lancinel, um, which was also paid for by my insurance. And that one was good too. Um, I feel like it was similar to the other one. I also got the ones that like insert into your, the free, I think it's called free pump 
where it inserts into your bra, like hands-free. Okay. Yeah. Um, and those were challenging. I, w- I think now they have newer brands and newer models that are way fancier. But when I did it, they're still challenging. You know, <laughs> yeah, still challenging. Like as you're driving, if you lean a certain way, then you get like milk all over you, um, and it's like hard to take off. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah, they're they're still the wearable pumps are always we have such a love hate relationship with these, especially as working moms, because the idea of being more convenient and hands free is really appealing, but they are harder to learn how to use and navigate appropriately. You can't see anything. So getting the right flange size and stuff can be really tricky just because of how they're designed. So it's a, such a love-hate relationship for working moms because sometimes they don't empty quite as effective as a regular flange, but also they're very convenient. So that's what I noticed is like, they don't feel like they're emptying. And I think that's why I like the hand pump so much. Cause I could feel like, you know, I don't know, you just squeeze it and you feel like there's nothing left. So I'm all done. Um, whereas the electronic pumps, they just pump for 15, 20 minutes. And then you just hope they're done at that end of the time. It's funny to hear you say that because I, now that I think back, I actually really enjoyed using a hand pump too, which I didn't do very often, but I think it might be one of the most underrated breast pumps ever because I loved that too. The actual control, I could maneuver it exactly how I wanted. And if milk was spraying, I just held it in, you know, and sometimes it is faster, even if you're doing a single at a time. So, you know, a perfect example of find what works for you and do it. I've had moms reach out before and be like, the the hand pump works so much better than my electric. Can't I just use that? And I'm like, yeah, like go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's not as there's pros and cons. And if you like it better, do it, you know, and you don't need my permission to, to customize yes. your experience. So it's interesting to hear you say that, especially doing that long-term in the workplace using a hand pump. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also learned to speaking of that, like, replace your parts. I think I realized how important that was. After pumping for a year with one pump It's like, I didn't realize how important all those little flanges and little hoses, it, you can buy little, I didn't know this until my second time around, but like, you can buy kits to replace the parts. And then when you replace the parts, you can feel it's tighter, or you know, it's pumping harder just from the change in equipment or like refreshing the parts. Um, you don't need a whole new pump. And I didn't realize that the first time. Absolutely. There's just so much you don't know. And oh my goodness, I know, mm-hmm. I know. And so much that, like you said, is customizable. It's so different for everybody. Everybody's journey is gonna be a bit different, right? And I feel like that's where I, I meet a lot of frustration is when people, especially like on YouTube or, you know, Instagram, they reach out and they're like, can you help me just pick up like which pump is the best? And I'm like, there's just not a best, you know, everybody mm-hmm. is different. What does your insurance cover? Like, what are you looking yep. to get out of a pump? And um, what are your goals? How much are you going to be pumping and all of these things? And I- I'm grateful we have so much technology to help mothers reach their feeding goals. We didn't used to have that. You know, when I went back mm-hmm. to work almost nine years ago now, there was like, I used the Medela, the, the old Medela. That was like the only one I knew. It was a hand-me-down from a friend and it did not go well. And I had no mm-hmm. one to, I just had nothing, no resources, no one to talk to. Everyone else that I knew that was a working mom kind of did as well as I did, which was like medium okay. We did supplement, you know, starting about seven, eight months or so. And I mm-hmm. continued to pump to a year, but you know, and I breastfed longer than that at the breast, but we supplemented quite a bit and I had no clue what I was doing or how to do that. And 
So that really is my goal now is to just help other mothers not have to experience that and trial and error it themselves. Like don't reinvent the wheel here. Just like learn it and move on. Yes. There, that reminds me too. There was an app. I'm sure it still exists. It was like a pumping moms app. At least this was a few years ago. And it would tell you where you could pump in private or like where pumping spots were in New York city. When I lived in New York, um, because I remember that was a big struggle. It's like when you're pumping and in, you know, like on the go, where do you stop? Or, you know, especially New York City, like where you, you can barely find a bathroom. How are you going to find a spot to pump? And so just a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I saw the airport here has a pumping pod. And I yes. was like, that is so cool. Or a breastfeeding pumping pod. And I was like, look at, look at us, like changing the world. And now these things exist. You don't have to pump on the plane or, you know, pump in a chair. Like you have a little suite you can pump in. So I've been seeing those pop up in airports often. They're so cool. I love them. We got one Mm -hmm. even in the clinic over in Belgium when I was living there. Um, We got one in there and that was really fun. I was the first one to go in there and breastfeed because me, the lactation consultant that worked there were so excited that at least there was a private place if moms wanted them. And um, Mm -hmm. I think the more, you know, the more you pump and breastfeed and the more kids you have, the more comfortable you get, which is like not caring about what other people think. And Mm -hmm. I remember pumping and breastfeeding just about everywhere as modestly as I could, but also you just had to do what you had to do, you know? Yeah. But sometimes you want a little privacy or your babies are super distracted or you just need a second. And so I love that these options, I'll try and find that app that you're talking about and put it down in the show Mm -hmm. notes for anyone listening because that's really cool. That's really Mm -hmm. cool. As we kind of wrap it up today, is there anything else you'd like to share with breastfeeding, pumping, working moms, any tips, tricks, or even just some like mental encouragement, anything off the top of your head that you'd like to share? I think um, the biggest thing for me that I learned was to just follow what works for you, what works for your job, what works for your kids and your schedule and your babies and your body. Um, and to trust, trust the process because sometimes we get messages from society or friends or family members that like you're supposed to do 12 months or you're supposed to do this or that. And that gets stuck in your head or you, you know, set your own mental expectations. And if that's not right for your body or your baby or yourself, then, you know, then it's not, it's not going to be easy. So I think the biggest thing is just trust your, trust the process, trust yourself. Those are perfect words to end on. And I don't even have anything else to add because that was beautiful. So if you need any help and you want to know more, check the show notes. I'll put some links for some of the stuff that Rebecca mentioned today down there. You can also connect with me down there. I'd love to, but otherwise we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for being here, Rebecca. Thank you. This is so fun. Thank you.